Let's try take two here. Hey, everybody, this is Junkie, and you're listening to Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. Ooh, God, and it's warm. Woof. Um, if you've never listened to this podcast before, sometimes we talk about some good stuff, sometimes we talk about some real dumb stuff, and normally we reserve the good stuff for the first half of the show. We will let you know when we're transitioning to the second half of the show, which is when we go completely and totally bonkers. Uh, if you are offended by <laughs> non, uh, I don't know, the, an opinion that you think is, uh, you know, or a moto topic that you think is not worthy, um, start your own freaking podcast, A, and B, um, yeah, just uh, listen to the first half of the show, tune out for the second half. You'll probably be doing both of us a favor. And in the meantime, we are brought to you this week uh, for episode 253. God, they told us they were going to kill us if we got it wrong this time. We said True Bloods last week, and that's like a vampire show. It's Young Bloods. I got that right this time. Y-U-N-G. B-L-U-D-S, Young Bloods. Uh, Young Bloods is an, oops, uh, yeah, I don't want to get this wrong. Young Bloods is an organic, non-synthetic drink for the Nosferatu, the undead, or for any weirdo, oh, no, we can't say that? Okay, or for any being uh, who may like to... um, gorge themselves on the blood of not humans. They can't, they can't tell us what it is. It's some proprietary thing. But uh, yeah, it's not human blood and it's not synthetic. That's all I can tell you. It could be alien blood mixed with ketchup and a little bit of mama's tomato sauce. Uh, but at any rate, no, that's not right. Okay, but young bloods, go get some today. How's that? The president is shaking his head. You know what? Fuck you. <laughs> Moto One Podcast Network. You're listening to Creative Writing, America's best motorcycle podcast. Hey, there's a bunch of asterisks behind that. <laughs> Never mind. We're brought to you by our supporters on Patreon. For more information, head over to patreon.com forward slash creative writing to learn how you can support the show yourself. Now, let's get cracking. Roll on the throttle, blip the brakes, tighten the air cleaner, check the crankshaft, and don't spill your coffee. Hey everyone, this is Liza from the Motorcycles and Misfits podcast. And when I am getting a root canal or something else really just painful and shitty, I like to listen to the Creative Writing Podcast because the best way to fight pain is with pain. And the best way to fight diarrhea is with more diarrhea. All right, everybody. Welcome to episode 253 of the Creative Writing Podcast. I've had it up to here. I've had it up to here. The president of uh, Moto One Podcast Network. We're here, folks, coming to you live. Let me get this stuff out of the way. I'm just, I'm livid. I'm livid. And I think it's because the Nokomoto Podcast, we're going to be talking about them. If I can follow my bleepity bleeping show notes. I'm so sorry to have screamed earlier at, God, I just can't get it right. Uh, This week, our show was supposed to be brought to you by uh, a goddamn blood company okay like what else can i say it's stupid it's a dumb product and a dumb idea 
We're also brought to you this week by another product. And I, I'm going to have Rex on here as soon as he uh, is recovered from his 18th round of COVID. Uh, the hell's going on with that guy? I think he's testing some of the RP um, vaccines on himself. And of course, none of them are working. That's why you don't hear about them in the news. It's like Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson and Rectum Ralph and all this other stuff. But no RP Enterprises, and I think it's because they keep failing. So he just keeps exposing himself. So when he gets better, I'm going to invite him on to explain the testicular mutilation I suffered on last week's show using the Meat Mower 9000 live on the air. He's got some splaining to do and some hospital bills, frankly, to pay. So I'm already in a cranky mood because of that. Plus... The president of the Nokomoto, or uh, not the Nokomoto, the uh, Moto One Podcast Network just came in from Nokomoto uh, Studio and the uh, podcast, uh, Nokomoto Podcast Studio East, or whatever the hell they call it, Suite A, uh, whatever the hell they're getting over there. That we were still recording in the dumpster behind Subway here. Uh, he comes in all mad to these offices because I flub up some ad. Okay. I'm already in a bad mood because my wiener got wrecked last week because of Rex. So we're going to have Rex on the show to do some explaining. I'm going to give him my med- I'm going to read my medical bills to him on air. It's quite, it turned out to be quite a bit. And I have a very high, you know, uh, Moto One does not really offer that great of a medical package. So you, it's a lot of out of pocket. And let's just say uh, my pockets have been turned inside out and wrung dry. Okay. So this week we are sponsored by Terre Haute Tonics. I can stand behind these folks. We're going the whole opposite direction from the Five Dirty Bikers and Cleveland Moto and Rampart, you know, skid marks and all the other stupid motorcycle podcasts out there that are getting paid uh, by these ball shavers. And I try to do that with Rex, with RP Enterprises. I'm doing a full 180. I'm going a hard left field on this one. Terre Haute Tonics hooked us up with some restorative, thank God, took away some of the pain and inflammation right away and started restoring my pubes immediately. Uh, so Terre Haute Tonics, it will get your hair growing. Uh, don't accidentally drop it on your baby because all of a sudden your baby will just have like a huge, you know, gigantic pass, pa- patch of what looks like black peat moss on them, you know, growing. So even if you're blonde, that's the one thing is that uh, apparently your hair grows in dark black. So um, Terre Haute Tonics, they are helping me get my balls back in order, get a little bit of fuzz back on the peaches after they were mutilated by Rex's like wood chipper. What else can I say? It was a tiny wood chipper for testicles. It might as well have been. Um, but anyway, so Terre Haute Tonics, we're going to try and put a link to their website on uh, on our um, on our blog thank you so much you guys i might need to get young i might need to do this young bloods ad right so i can transfuse some some blood back in my nuts enough about my nuts um we're brought to you by patreon uh thanks to all of our patrons here i'm gonna you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna whip out my phone right now and uh, thank our patrons uh before i do that while i'm doing that uh tobor is not with me he's down and out Nobody's with me. Uh, I was supposed to go over to Wiggins' house tonight and help him work on his RC51. That kind of fell through. I'm not feeling so great. I'm really hot and dehydrated. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, I guess. If you're in the United States or Germany, 
You're probably feeling my pain right now. I know Germany's been god awful hot. Hang on a second. What that was was the sound of me imbibing some delicious H2O. And I'm going to have to do that on the show a few times if you don't want me to pass out. Um, I've done, I've sweated so much that just dust is coming out of my pores at this point. Um, so, what? Shut up. No! Okay, anyway. So, hello, patrons. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, basically, uh, the disclaimer, the views and opinions of the participants of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast are those of the participants do not reflect the policy, position, or opinions of the Creative Writing uh, Moto One Podcast Network, any of our affiliates, and any opinion is the respective participants and is not intended to malign anyone or anything, even Tesla plaid drivers. And if you've been watching the, um, oh, you know, the thing, the whatchamacallit, if you've been watching the, I better pause this while I think of it. Pike's Peak. God, why can't I think of that? If you've been watching Pike's Peak, uh, you'll know the Tesla Plaid. Uh, for the past couple years, the um, basically the uh, all of the, the electric cars have just been kicking buns just because um, they are really fast uh, and they don't need air to uh, go up that hill just for downforce. So um, yeah, we don't want to we don't want to put down the Tesla Plaid drivers, and someday maybe electric motorcycles be back on that hill. I am waiting for the day. Motorcycles have gone on and off of Pikes Peak uh, for over the decades, and I'm waiting for them to make uh, a small race class like 400s or 200s. They let flat track bikes um, race a few years ago. Um, before even before flat track was cool, they did an exhibition race and they were all fine. It wasn't until these crazy fast sport bikes um, started coming on, then they reduced it down to no clip-ons and uh, a lot of stuff, you know, trying to make it safer. But they're still, unfortunately, you know, Harlem Dunn sealed the, sealed the deal for a little while. So hopefully, motorcycles get back on the mountain uh, one of these years. Uh, even if they're slower. I don't care if they're slower. I just want to see motorcycles racing. I don't care about speed. Maybe we can see some electric motorcycles going up there. Maybe they'll be slower and heavier, and we won't be pushing the uh, the boundaries. We won't be pushing um, past with the mountain and the tires can contain, right? So anyways, the Pikes Peak just going on right now. Tesla Plaid drivers out there. Um, all right, sorry about that. I just uh, changed the mic around a little bit. Here we go. So yeah, there's a... Lots of cool stuff happening. The Tesla Plaid drivers reminded me of Pikes Peak. Pikes Peak reminded me that I used to love watching Pikes Peak. So before we get into this week's show, it is time to remind those people in the world who pay uh, for you to hear this um, that they actually are paying us some dough. So I'm going to give every single patron ever, even the patrons that aren't patrons anymore, a little love. Let me make sure I don't blow anybody's eardrums out with this. Yeah, here we go. All right. Starting at the top, I think it's our newest uh, patron, Jay, over in England, baby. Thank you so much. Thank you, J.A. from the U.K. Ow! Yeah, baby. Phil? Philip B. from USC? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to start making stuff up. Chris Singsheim, one of our good buddies from Wisconsin, former patron member. Thank you so much, Chris. Norse Force, Fildo, Phil from Colorado. I wish you would go and kick Nokomoto's ass for me. Thank you for your support. John Hillenbrand, John H. 
from, hey, John H. Thank you. Chuck Wiggins, still hanging in there. I was supposed to go hang out with your son tonight. I'll go hang out with him uh, this weekend. Danger Dan from uh, Danger Dan's Talk Shop, still supporting us there. Probably totally forgot that he's still supporting us. Danger Dan, thank you so much. I listened to your podcast like five times. And, um, yep. Uh, Ray, thank you so much, Ray, for all the, uh, over the years, all the fun, the art. Thank you for the support. Thank you for uh, the stories and uh, the interactions. Chad, Chad Clink, he don't stink. He's from Wisconsin, and his tongue is pink. I don't know. That's a good one. Chad, longtime patron, uh, awesome dude, always good, uh, lends a hand during the uh, Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge. I love Chad. I hope he's doing well up there in Wisconsin. Miss Molly, oh my golly, you were only a patron for a couple months, but uh, hey, you got you got a sticker. Thank you for helping us out. The uh, six bones that you—I hope you're still following some motorcycle podcasts out there. Uh, so thank you very much, Rob. You have not been a patron for quite a while, but thank you. You were up in Maine. You're always doing some really cool stuff. You had that Scarver, the BMW, uh, and I think you were into CrossFit. You told me or something like that. I forget. Narissa. Sweet, sweet Narissa, our only female patron, unless you count Molly. I'm going to count Molly, even though she was a patron for like one month, it says. No, six months. Maybe she was a patron for six months. So uh, Narissa, still a patron, still doing awesome things. If you need to follow uh, somebody that's doing some really cool stuff all the time, works at Harley-Davidson, you know, always involved with motorcycle trips and shenanigans and hijinks, part of the Milwaukee Rivets, part of the... uh, build um, moto group that helps young girls you know the iron angels build group they're helping young girls uh, uh, reintroduce them to uh, engineering and technology and mechanics awesome awesome i'm so proud to have her as a patron uh jerry thank you so much for your support you've been a supporter for a long time chris chris uh old man slacker chris not a, not a patron anymore because he has his own podcast and he knows how much these things cost. So, <laughs> But thank you for your time supporting the show while you did. Uh, I had so much fun talking to you, and it's a blast to talk to you every year during the MPC. Matt, My Motorbike Obsessions, awesome little blog. I love reading Matt's stuff. He's got the coolest bikes. He's in J-Pan right now. Um, yeah, I love talking to Matt. He, he's one of the OGs as well. Thank you, Matt, for uh, all your support. Paul. He, Brian Biffer Smith. Oh my God! Listen, Paul. I can't even tell you how much uh, Paul has been uh, an integral part of the show. Not only do I have his bike sitting six feet away from me <laughs> in the studio here, uh, yeah, he's just been an awesome, uh, you know, Solstice Slam, Spooky Spokes, uh, taking pictures at events. You know, just fun, fun, good times. I cannot tell you uh, how much I value. The OG P. Smith and the original OG Lance Perry up there in Canada, our only Canadian patron. Um, thank you so much, Lance. Lance is the reason I started a Patreon group anyway. I thought, what the hell? He says to do it, I'll give it a try. And thank you so much, Lance. It has helped immensely. Um, it basically let me buy a, a cheap motorcycle so that I could do a podcast as well. <laughs> podcast or motorcycle? Which one? Um, Corey. Thank you, Corey, former patron, buddy of Wiggins. Uh, but thank you nonetheless. Uh, I loved having your input. Always a good time on uh, Discord, too. 
Our Discord server, which I let Tobor take it over. Not really much happened on Discord, and not a lot happened on a lot of Discords uh, that I saw. So anyway, thank you. And then we got some followers, not no patrons, but they're just kind of lurking around and peeping. That is Bjorn, Mike, and Paul. Thank you guys for just checking it out and being interested, wondering what's going on. Yeah, all right, I'm going to fade this out. That's how we do it here at Creative Writing. We fade it out because we're totally faded. No, your, your hair's faded. Anyway, uh, yeah, so on this week's show, we got a few things coming up. We're probably actually going to talk uh, uh, about Nokomoto. I did not put that in my show notes, so I hope that um, I hope I remember to do so. Make fun of those jerk wads. Uh, actually, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna um, shit on their points this time. They made some really good points, and we had a little conversation after their show last week. Um, I did want to say, let me get off of this uh, post down. Patreon, thanks, thanks to all of our patrons. You guys make this uh, make this show go around. Don't give you guys enough love on the reg. Um, before I even get into this, segment one is uh, we had this thing called Word of the Week we used to do, and we brought it back, baby. So this week's Word of the Week is... Oh, profession. Hey! Um, to help a former patron of the show, my motorcycle profession, uh, I'm going to use my profession, <laughs> my former profession, to talk about that a little bit uh, at the end of the show. We're going to talk about that. Uh, it directly affects my profession, uh, directly affects one of our uh, former patrons. And uh, so motorcycle professions, good or bad, uh, I'll tell you what. If you know anybody from a uh, that works at a dealership, there's several, several. The Wingman's Garage, those guys used to get together at the dealership every uh, like Friday or something like that and do their show. Uh, I know that Unky Phil and the gang down at Cleveland Moto has pretty much made being uh, moto celebrities their second shift uh and being moto retailers their first shift right so uh any of those for uh you know podcasts can tell you that um they they're all moto professionals there's also a few moto professionals that are like uh you know like the wheel nerds where i know uh, Todd is a uh, uh, an instructor for the motorcycle. I don't think it's the Motorcycle Safety Foundation. I don't know. I think he's like Lee Parks or Ride Ride or something like that. I don't know who does it through, but he's a motorcycle instructor. A little bit different than being a uh, in the actual industry, right? So if you're an industry person, um, especially if you're a dealer, everyone thinks you got it made. You're always getting bikes left and right, or you're a journalist. You know, everyone thinks that you just yeah, you get offered. You know, motorbikes here and there, and you just gonna do all the fun stuff all the time because that's it's just like living the Instagram dream. When you're out there on the sales floor slinging, you're slinging. When you're out the sales floor, you're trying to make things look fun. You're doing commercials. Um, when you're writing journal, th- uh, you know, doing journal, um, doing journals, uh, doing journal. I should be doing some cocaine here. I need a drink of water real quick. That was delicious. Um, journalism. That's what I was going to say. When you're a journalist, people think you got it made. What they don't realize is like, yeah, there's deadlines for stuff. Um, you know, when you're out there, when you're a uh, dealer, yeah, you're surrounded by bikes all the day. You don't usually get to ride them unless you're a mechanic and you need to take them for a test ride. Otherwise, you, you're working on weekends when everyone else is going riding you're working at the shows instead of being able to walk around and watch the stunt shows and interact with the with the uh, 
you know, all the fun. That's what I, the thing I did about when I go to these media events is that if you don't stick around for a couple days and just be a Joe Schmo, you are on all the time and you're constantly doing, um, you're constantly doing press stuff. You're constantly trying to get this information for this and that, get your uh, assignment done, get your, you know, then you got to go and type it all up and you can't just like go home and drink a beer after you're having a crazy long day at a show. It's, I don't know, there's good and there's bad. The good is, yes, you're always around the things that you love, which is motorbikes. You get to see a lot of motorbikes. Absolutely, hallelujah. And you get to, um, if you're a journalist, you get to write about a lot of motorbikes. The bad side, if you ever, if you sucked at uh, school, like college, I'm assuming that you're not, you don't want to be a journalist. <laughs> but if you want to be a journalist and think it's fun, and then you get into it and you're like, holy crap, deadlines, you know, distribution, I got to find my next gig, I got to go here, go there, pay for this, pay for that. You know, maybe, maybe it's not the biggest company in the world. Maybe I don't get the best assignment. I got to write up, you know, the, uh, insurance weekly you know and your local insurance is uh being put on by house bill 452 that's gonna you know whatever so there's some some things that suck so motorcycle professions good or bad you let me know if you are a motorcycle professional uh write into creative writing podcast at gmail.com or go to our facebook page and just hit send on the email hit us up in the dms on twitter or uh instagram at uh at Creative Writing Podcast, all one word, um, and or and or um, throw your note in a bottle, throw in the ocean. Even though I don't live by the ocean, it'll get to me. Don't ask how. everybody 22 and a half minutes in you know what that means that means that it's time to get on to the next segment <laughs> that stinger was randomly in there i guess i didn't delete it from uh uh last show's audio so i better look and see do we have any more of those coming up that are going to surprise me nope all right so we're gonna go where uh, it's good timing though 22 minutes you want to hear me blab so, uh, anyways, motorcycle professionals, you let us know. We got some announcements uh, this week. I just got some mail, some really good news for our patrons and our MPC uh, writers and our, well, our patrons because of Solstice Slim. I'm going to call it Solstice Slim, not Solstice Slam. Solstice Slam sucked this year. The only person, yeah, thank you. The only person who submitted something this year was Junkie. And that's not how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to submit stuff. And I usually do sprinkle something in just to make it a not a five-minute show. But I was really saddened by this year's uh, Social Slam. Usually we have a lot of submissions. Last year was pretty heavy. I'm sorry, 2019 was real heavy. Last year, of course, we skipped it because nobody was doing nothing. And then this year I thought, man, there's going to be so many people out riding and doing this and that and stuff. I'm worried. I'm worried for the state of the motorcycle union uh, this this year. Um, if people aren't out there enjoying themselves, maybe they're just having too much fun, and they uh, actually they didn't have time to, to send in something for Solstice Slam. So, anyways, uh, all of you guys for Solstice Slam, um, the, we we have to pick a patron winner. Uh, I got the stuff. I'm ready to mail it. We just need a winner. 
and I don't want to just draw a name out of a hat. That's not fun. And this year, I will not include bacon or a Klopman pickle after last year's unfortunate customs mishap. So Solstice Slam patron will be selected via a random feat of strength or prowess this year. We need to figure that out and find out what to, uh, you know, how we're going to do that. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we will take suggestions at the end of the show. That'll be your call to action. And if you're a patron and you really want it, <laughs> be the first one to chime in with something and then uh, maybe we'll put your idea out there and you're a ringer. You know what I'm saying? Uh Another announcement, really fast, we need to get this out, uh, is important. Super 73 turns five years old. Uh, they're having a celebration this weekend, 7-3, huh? Super 73. So Ju- July 3rd, which is a 7-3, they're having a big, big celebration down at Hangar 24 in Irvine. Check out our Instagram page. Um, we, we've dropped their flyer up there with the address and the time. Also, uh, go check out our web, our blog, creative-writing.com. And uh, I think I think Super 73 probably has all that info on their uh, Facebook, Instagram, website, all that fun stuff. All right. So are we ready to get into the news? Worst bike in the world this week. Just kidding. Drum roll. Get it? Uh, okay. So listen up, news this week. Here's some of the news that's going to affect you, I expect. Rideshare, they expanding to they they are expanding to <laughs> God, I need to do a little bit more, less crack and more of talky straighty. No, no no more goofballs. Uh Rideshare is expanding to include off-road motorcycles on, you know, this is a peer-to-peer platform. Uh, this kind of falls in line with what Eagle Rider, their move a few months ago when they introduced Eagle Share uh, to their customer base, and it allowed members to rent peer-to-peer. Uh, it includes any power sports from snow, snowmobiles, dirt bikes, jet skis, whatever. From from what I understand, Eagle Share allows peers to share anything that they have. Uh, Eagle or um, sorry, Rider Share. Um, from what I understand, it's off-road adventure bikes, uh, things of that nature. So it's expanding a little bit. Uh, we had Guillermo on the show a, lo- a few years ago, I think three years ago now, when he launched the company. Uh, him and Jordan Diggs came on when we were at Atlantis Motor Garage, uh, and we had a re- really fun night talking all about all that. I think he's matured a lot and grown the company a lot since then. We should probably have him back on, but this is a big move. When you're talking about off-road bikes and ADV bikes and maybe perhaps dirt bikes, uh, I know that uh, Eagle Share allows power sports, but I don't know if his is just uh, ADV-style bikes. I don't know if this is power sport, you know, like motocross bikes and dirt bikes, trail bikes, yada, yada. It might just be ADV-style bikes. So when you're talking about getting off-road or going out to the dunes, hitting some trails and single track, we're talking about a little bit more abuse. So it'll be interesting. I, I really... Uh, wonder how the insurance is going to cover stuff like that when you're you're bound if you're not if you don't fall down doing adv stuff you're not doing it right and if you don't fall down dirt biking you're not trying hard enough so it's going to be interesting to see how the insurance and and what the uh what the deal is with that but yeah riders share bringing uh following in the in the uh footsteps of eagle share bringing some dirt bikes uh, to their customers so it only makes sense if they're going to expand to meet the demand and as of this time i've not heard anything from twisted road at this point but they are the last peer-to-peer service here in the u.s 
that would offer anything like this. And I know that uh, we've had Austin on the show as well a couple times. And uh, maybe we'll try to get him on again too to see if he plans on following this trend. It falls in line with last year's, uh, basically the market trend of off-road bikes and, and dirt bikes being just wiped out of showrooms, you know. Uh, for our British crew, there's a new power sports dealership opening in the Manchester area called Drop the Hama. Drop the Hama. I think that's what it's called because I can understand what the hell they were saying. But it's based in a 20,000 square foot rare warehouse. It looks a lot like every dealership that's here in SoCal. Uh, and if you can understand what the hell they're saying, the staff... Uh, it has lots of personal and industry experience, and there's like so many makes and models of all power sports, including personal watercraft and boating stuff. So it's this huge mega uh, dealership, Drop the Hammer. I'm not 100% sure. It, it looks very American to me. And like I said, in SoCal, yeah, there's just to n name drop, I guess, a few. Delamo Motorsports in Long Beach and Redondo Beach, and, and those two are both really big. Uh, both showrooms pretty big I'm sure 20,000 feet um, then you have well and there's also Delamo in South Bay and one in San Diego uh, there is Burt's Mega Mall which is huge inside and they have everything like that as well and I'm sure that's more than 20,000 square feet uh, uh, the Harley Davidson like Laidlaws I'm pretty sure that's a big uh, 20,000 square feet? I don't know. To me, that sounds normal. So I don't know if this is a big deal because it's uh, not the way they do things in England. If it's a little bit more, uh, you know, subdued and a little bit more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like just not as flashy, you know, uh, and not, not as massive. So the 20,000 square foot thing, uh, it looks pretty massive. They got a lot of good stuff there. So drop the hammer. Uh, if you're in Manchester, go check it out. Maybe they got some cool deal for you. And they definitely had all sorts of stuff. And uh, in their promo video that they launched out, they were showing all of the staff there, very knowledgeable um, and having ridden uh, and raced and stuff like that. They will definitely get you hooked up. Uh, last, well, not last, uh, last on this list, um, Honda. We talked last week about Honda bringing you the clutch by wire system. Well, Honda is reportedly developing the system and the company who makes everything from automobiles to the Asimo robot looks to extend the capabilities of their technology to their archaic two-wheelers. Finally. If you think about everything that Honda makes from generators to the friggin' robot, Asimo and all the, uh, all those, well, they got the electric dirt bike that they are never going to release, I don't think. They also have that one little dirt bike that they, uh, at the Tokyo Motor Show that they premiered a few years ago when Yamaha had Motobot that followed you around and it was self-balancing, right? They got all this crazy stuff. Um, the most archaic thing that they make is a motorcycle. And if you don't believe me, go look at a monkey. It looks a lot like the monkey from the 1970s that they used to make. They're still making, you know, the super cub for Pete's sake. I mean, they still make the cub. They make a lot of stuff in other countries still too that look just, you know, super old. So long story short, I think 
that we think of their motorcycles like the Goldwing and everything as technologically advanced because it's got the Hasek front end with all these like IMUs and, and spatial radar, you know, special transceiver microwave radio dish. But I'm going to tell you, their motorcycles are the most archaic, maybe second only to their quads um, and the little pioneer um, side-by-side, like the work side-by-sides, right? The the talons, I'm sure the talons are getting up there. They've got like off-road ABS that functions as traction control. So they're even rudimentary. This clutch-by-wire thing, this is just par for the course in my opinion. Honda has already done stuff like this for decades on their cars. Uh, auto and motorcycle manufacturers alike from all man, uh, all manufacturers have been using this technology control the throttle bodies. I think Yamaha was the first one to do it in 2006 with the Yamaha on the R1. I think it was 2006. I'm not 100% sure on that. But throttle by wire. And what it does is basically turns your throttle instead of having a cable down to the throttle bodies, and some of them even do, some of them have a cable down to the throttle body, but it doesn't open the butterflies. It turns uh, basically like a stepper motor or a rheostat. And then the by-wire stuff, just your your throttle becomes a rheostat, and however much you crank it goes into the sensor, and it tells the computer how much you're cranking it open, and the uh, throttle bodies gets the reading, and they open it. Now with the advent of IMUs and race ABS and not even race ABS, just regular ABS um, and traction control and all that stuff coming onto motorcycles, this really has been a way to mitigate and make a bike uh, we can say safer, even though people don't want to. Want, uh, people hate this technology when it makes stuff safer. Motorcyclists like to be dangerous, apparently. This clutch by wire is sounds dangerous oh oh my god but listen you've been doing throttle by wire for a long time planes if you have ever flown in a plane you think planes have a long cables running back to the engines (laughs) no everything is computer controlled your rc car has a servo everything you know everything that you trust uh it's funny that you don't trust yourself when you get on this motorcycle but everything else that you it's automated man it's cool um you love so finally clutch by wire coming and basically the from what i've read in the article uh the it's basically the same thing as throttle by wire the clutch input would default to like a servo thing where you give a little bit the servo reads it it tells the clutch stepper motor that it's going to actuate the slave cylinder how much to give same with the abs and the ecu how it all the, the IMUs and traction control regulates how much throttle and uh, gas that your motor's getting, and it used to be real rudimentary. You lean over too far, you try to give it throttle, the ECU reads your lean angle, and it cuts power, and it cuts throttle. That's pretty rudimentary. Imagine being able to do that now with a clutch and being able to input clutch a little bit better and back off the power that way as well. Uh, you're not going to stall your bike. You know, there's a, there's a lot of things. Let me keep reading my notes before I uh, before I get ahead of myself here. So anyway, so uh, the technology long or the uh, the technology war uh, is is finally going to come down to this. The clutch is basically the last piece of actuated uh, kit that does not have to function. You know, that still needs a cable or a fluid. 
uh, a hose. So even quick shifters and all that stuff, they do shifting and clutching for you half the time anyway, like the BMW quick shifters. They blip the throttle for you even. So this clutch, the, this is the last piece of the puzzle to not be actually wireless and, uh, you know, basically uh, by wire. So in the event that your clutch fails, this is, you know, they're, they're thinking ahead. They want it, they fit, make it fail open so that the motorcycle wouldn't get stuck in gear, wouldn't lock a tire, you know, wouldn't stuck with the, be stuck with the clutch, um, you know, shooting your revs through the roof because like it's stuck, gets stuck in second while you're coming down from 100 miles an hour. So the default uh, fail safe is to fail open so that your clutch is pulled in. So that's the first thing. You're not going to get your tire locking up. You're not going to get stuck in gear where if you fall over, you can't roll it or something like that. Or if the sensor goes out, it's got you stuck in one gear. It will default to open. So uh, how often has your throttle by wire stuck or failed or something like that and put you in a pinch? If it's none, good. That's probably what you can expect with the clutch. Uh, if you have been burned by it once or twice where it won't go, that's better than having it stuck wide full open, right? So I don't think it's really a problem. I don't think it's uh, anything to worry about. But um, with so much information going to the clutch by wire system, the possibilities are extensive. This is according to Cycle World. Uh, I'm going to quote this actually. Quote. With so much extra information going to the clutch-by-wire system, the possibilities for the setup are extensive. The bike could be allowed to operate the clutch completely automatically in some modes, for instance, or to work in harmony with the quick shifter to provide smooth but almost seamless changes without the rider having to think about the clutch. And it also opens the door for additional launch control, wheelie control, traction control strategies using the clutch as well as the throttle ignition and injection to maximize traction and keep the rider in control. End quote. So that was from a Cycle World article that was talking about this. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff that you can do here. Imagine not just cutting power and not just modulate the ABS based on your lean angle, but now, no, you keep the clutching gauge. You just, you give it a little bit less pressure. Um, you back off the clutch instead of the throttle. There's a whole lot more things. You can actually fine tune uh, you start to slide out. Hey, do you want to pull on the clutch? No, you need the engine braking. You need that friction. You know, there's a lot of times where you, you want to keep the bike in gear. You don't want to slam on the brake. So guess what? The bike will modulate the ABS, but also pull the clutch in just a, enough or something like that, or keep the clutch engaged when you're trying to pull it in. Uh, a lot of things like that to, to keep the rider in, in actual control. Um, like they said, the quick shifting Honda's DCT has been around for many, many years. It was the HFT when it first came out on the, uh, the VFR 1200. Um, and now it's the DCT. And yeah, the, the shifting was even faster than the fastest person could shift by foot. Uh, so if you get a quick shifter and it already is blipping the throttle and doing the, uh, the clutches for you, now you don't even have to worry about it. You just uh, up and down and, and uh, maybe you put it in cruise control mode uh, and you can ride with the coffee in one hand and you can basically have a DCT and drink your coffee, ditch your coffee, put it back into manual mode and use your clutch. Who knows? Uh, so I think that it is great. It's a good idea. Um, and it would enhance the ECU control of a situation that previously would just cut power or cut fuel delivery via throttle by wires. So now you got the clutch going in there too. I think it's a really cool idea. Um, 
the next on my news list here is the BMW R1300GS. You heard that right. Well, I was a big fan, actually, of the K1300S and the K1300R. There may be a new Bavarian 1300 on the horizon. BMW is looking to increase the renowned R1250GS to 1300s, possibly as early as 2022. Uh, spy photos indicate that the bike is pretty well into production uh it means i think that they are assuming that there's euro 5 coming that will be mandatory by 2024 so they want to get this bike out on the market as soon as possible 2022 23 at least by 24 um it means that harley davidson can wedge a milwaukee 8 into the pan america and at some point probably be on par with the industry still um, as these bikes just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, according to Ride Apart, the bigger GS is focusing on quieter engine emissions rather than upping HP and torque. Uh, because the Euro 5 regulations really do focus heavily on sound emissions. And when we're talking about emissions regulations, Euro 5 emissions, that is not only smoke. I mean, we're not talking about like pollutants. We're also talking about sound. And it might be something to consider as we edge closer to the electric dawn, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the when I hear when I hear cars go down the street now, right now, ice engine cars like uh, take your grandma's uh, Toyota Camry or Avalon or something like that. The uh, tires are almost louder than the engine half the time. Uh, most of the time, the only engines I ever hear anymore are. Uh, souped up cars like Subies and, and uh, Mitsubishi and stuff like that uh, out on the street Honda Civics whatever it may be big old diesel trucks you know other cars pretty dang quiet unless it's a car with like a like the old Ford Ranger out there with the exhaust leak or the Toyota Previa with the intercooler whistle um, cars are pretty damn quiet nowadays and like I said literally the tires are louder than most cars on the freeway you hear wind and tire noise you don't really hear engine noise um, so yeah something to think about uh, as these emissions are coming the uh, the Euro 5 stuff their BMW the silencer is a lot different apparently um, and, and a lot of laws are actually getting signed into um, uh County ordinances and, and countries. You know, I think in France and England, you might they might have sound cameras that take pictures of you when it uh, hears you over a certain decibel. So something to consider. And uh, Euro Five regulations. So BMW making a bigger bike so that they can keep it quiet and still have the same power. Is what I'm guessing. Uh, moving on to the Roland Sands desk. I, you know what I need? I need I need a moving on sound. Let's just let's do this. Moving on. <laughs> Roland Sands Super Hooligan National Championship returns for 2021. Uh, the designer announced via social media that the Super Hooligan National Championship will return with a four-race format this year. It's going to have road racing, half-mile, short track, and TT. And the last three are basically referring to dirt track style racing. And before the AMA, there's a little bit of history, before the AMA split flat track and road racing into two separate categories in 1985, this is actually how Grand National Champions were decided. You didn't get that number one plate unless you raced all these disciplines. And actually, there's one more. There's a fifth format. You had to run a mile. Uh, and so, yeah, 
that's what you had to do. You had to, and, and, and all on the same bike, if I remember correctly. Uh, so, you know, you're doing your, your tarmac races with your XR750 or your BSA or whatever the hell you're racing on. Um, you go in you, and, and your Honda, like Honda did this a lot. Uh, then you're racing your half miles, dirt ovals, your short tracks, your TTs, um, and then your mile. And then you go back to tarmac, and then you might go to another mile. By the end of the season, you uh, you rack up enough wins. You are the Grand National Champion. They split that in 1985, which is kind of, uh, you know, it sounds like something they did back in the 60s, but it's fairly recent, um, as, you know, as far as histories go, just going on 40 years ago, and flat tracking and, and racing like that was around for quite a long time. So, Super Hooligan bringing it back, bringing it old school. And guess what? The series kicks off next weekend, not this coming weekend, next weekend, July 9th through 11th at Laguna Seca, right alongside the Moto America races. I don't know if it's going to be televised. Uh, I certainly hope it is. I certainly hope one of these companies, like it's uh, how fans' choice used to be. Um, it was so awesome watching uh, Moto America races on Fans Choice when they used to air those and the flat track races when they used to air those. I think they've got swallowed up by NASCAR TV. So the Bagger Racing League has been on Fight TV, F-I-T-E, Fight TV, um, which is mostly, like it sounds, martial arts, boxing, stuff like that. Uh, they had to get those uh, that company to distribute the Bagger Racing League and um, which is not the king of the baggers put on by Moto America, totally different racing league. But um, I, I hope the Super Hooligan National Championship gets some airing somehow, whether it's through Moto America, through uh, uh, Fight TV, through Facebook Live, you know, however the hell they're going to do it. I hope that it is televised. It's going to be so much fun to watch. Um, all right. Well, let's take a quick break. You guys deserve it. We're going to come back with the main topic of the show. Um, but I need to hydrate real fast and you probably need to use the restroom. So let's take a quick break. We'll be right back with more creative writing. You like chicken? You like motorcycles? Well, welcome to Andrew's House of Chicken and Motorcycles. Yes, guess what? Andrew has everything you need to fix up that classic trap, that death ride, that piece of poo-poo that you pulled out from the barn last summer. Yes, at Andrew's, you can get your bike fixed up and get some delicious greasy chicken. Andrew's, 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 Andrew's House of Chicken and Motorcycles. Right off the side of the freeway in Forberton. Mmm, what's that smell? They're at it again. The folks at RP Enterprises solving two world problems with one great solution. You got a hankering for some of Grandma's hush puppies? Sure you do. They're delicious. You love them. Well, how about solving world hunger and the pet overpopulation problem with one easy, simple, tasty solution? Fist Puppies from RP Enterprises. Never have to listen to a Sarah McLaughlin song again about it. Fist Puppies, available only at Hetty's. Zappers, Zappers, we got them. Whappers, Whappers, we got them. We got everything you need for your off-road adventure this summer at Nathan's Power Sports Village in Thurston. Brakes, we got those. Tires, we got those. Seatbelts for your motorcycles, we got those. Visit us down at Nathan's Power Sports Village. 
jump into Durston, it sucks. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome back to Creative Writing. Hope you enjoyed that break as much as I did. And I hope you bought a new car in the meantime. What? How could I buy it? Anyway, long story short, hey, we are in the third topic, believe it or not, of this uh, this week's show. We're going to, this is the main topic. It's going to cover crashing, the fun, the good, the bad, and the other, the fun and the not fun. Guess what? Turns out crashing is mostly not fun. Uh, one of our former patrons, uh, Mr. Ray, recently crashed at the beginning of the month. Told me, hey, Junkster, I'm going to have to forego my patronage because I have crashed. And I said, Mr. Ray, I would do the same. Uh, my utmost concern is as a friend of the show that you're safe. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I just uh, said to keep it, uh, keep me informed of what's going on. And he said that uh, he was in a crash. You could hear him on the Misfits a couple weeks ago. Maybe it was this last week. Uh, he emailed them about what he should do. And it was after I gave him, him advice on what to do and it probably didn't fix jack squat. So he was recently in a crash on his Triumph Tiger involving only himself. And he said there was a lot of other things going on. He should have been paying attention. Um, he doesn't have a collision insurance. He didn't know. So he's going to be in the hole for parts or had to part it out. Um, and so he was going to try and get it evaluated to see if the motor frame and forks were good. Um, and I basically just said, let me know. Uh, you know, we're glad to hear you weren't injured. It looks, it sounds like he walked away with some minor injuries. So I'd love to hear what gear he was wearing and all that. Um, and actually I used to work in the crash biz and vehicles unfortunately don't hold their value. You know that as soon as you drive it off the lot, it's worth uh, 12% of what it was. Um, you know, so anyways, he wrote me back and he said, great. And he let me know exactly what was going on. Mostly the plastic from what it looked like. And he sent me some pics. He crashed in a beautiful, beautiful area. It's so lovely looking. Um, just sad that he had to go down there. His, uh, it was a lot of plastic. You know, the tigers, um, similar to the GS have a lot of uh, wind sh windscreen and plastic behind the windscreen and front cowl and all that fun stuff. Um, probably got a little bit of his bar because he fell down on, on the uh, side, busted off his, um, or his, uh, maybe not busted, but his um, uh, saddlebag came off. The whole windshield and everything was destroyed. He probably flew over the bars a little bit. He said he dented the tank, which, um, okay, we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, other than that, he just wondered, was thinking about 1500 bucks, and he could do the labor himself. I'm going to tell you, I'll cover that in a minute. But anyway, he's had to uh, pay labor for the inspection. And although the shop in his town is booked until July, so he's probably still waiting uh, to get in. Uh, and he's hoping the frame and everything is okay. So we'll talk about that in a sec. But anyway, him and I went back and forth on it. After that, and he showed me some pics. Doesn't look too bad. Looks like it's rideable. I don't see any fluids. So I don't think he actually ground through a uh, cover, side cover, or something like that. That's the worst when you see fluids leaking out. Um, denting the tank, that can be pricey. Tanks are anywhere between, if you got a Harley Davidson, they're outrageous. Probably, um, you know, there's a few brands out there that have really expensive tanks. Uh, he, his headlights are all dirty, but they don't look busted. Maybe they do. They look a little bit busted. A BMW headlight will set you back about two grand. Um, they got 
everything's LED. There's modules inside there. If you get the kind that have running lights or that are adaptive, those are easily two grand. So, I mean, I've bought cars for less than that. Uh, but everything else looks okay. A little bit dirty, a little bit dusty, a little bit bent, but okay. It's mostly just the uh, the front fairing and the cowling from these pictures that he showed me, and of course the huge dent in the tank. Probably his gigantic balls hit that because, you know, he uh, got up without a scratch. I told him he picked a beautiful place to crash, and it looked a little scary, and I said, here's what I gave him. There's two things that are going to happen based on what you what's happened to you usually someone's going to come out and write an estimate you're either going to be the claimant or the insured but in his case it was just a solo accident and he doesn't have collisions so that kind of puts a different spin on things but if you've been hit my friend sarah was going to come up two weekends ago for superbike school we were going to shoot the shit afterwards and have a fun little podcast she gets hit two days before she comes here um i'm just such a bad luck charm uh, so anyway, I told him in her case, she would be the claimant because she'd be putting the claim in against the person that rear-ended her uh, on his, on the other hand, he just crashed. But usually in either case, they're going to have an adjuster, an insurance adjuster come out. They're going to determine the actual cash value of the bike. Basically they do that based on market value. So sometimes if you have an old crappy bike, uh, but it's a collector's item like a CB 750 yours is a hunk of shit. There's a bunch of CB750s that are worth, you know, four grand in your neighborhood. Sometimes you can, you can increase the value of your hunk of crap by having pricey ones um, in your area. That's not always the case, but uh, they usually determine the actual cash value based off several different things. They usually use some values, which I told him, but I'm not going to disclose here on the air, and local market value, like I said. Um, they will have it assessed by a shop or an insurance adjuster, and what they're going to do is look at it and give you an estimate of repair that includes the cost of the new parts, the cost of the labor, uh, you know, time to replace it, and then the shop rate is about 100 to 120 bucks, uh, roughly anywhere in the U.S. right now, um, and then cost of the parts on top of that. So you can imagine that just a small fall, depending on how complex your bike is. Uh, can total it. And I've talked to professional um, people when the BMW K1600 came out, somebody dropped it and it totaled it because just to, it, it scratched the engine. The engine sticks out a little bit and it says K1600 on the side and all this stuff. Just to get to that, you have to dismantle all the fairings and then replace the engine. Uh, and I don't know what BMW's standards are for the engine like the Buell if you crashed a Buell they would always tell you replace the frame the fuel is in that freaking thing so it was you know almost a total every time you crash a Buell um so uh this BMW crash his I don't know what they're gonna tell him but that's basically the process somebody's gonna come out they're gonna assess it they're going to write you an estimate of repair and then the insurance company is gonna say hey this exceeds, this estimate exceeds the value of your bike. We determined the ACV, and guess what? The actual cash value, this went over it a little bit. So at that point, they're going to tell you it's a total. And you can either take a check for the value that they determined that it is, or you can keep it as a salvage title. I got hit on Spamla. A full tank of gas will total Spamla. It's worth like nothing. That's why to me, it's worth it just to keep it because I can't really 
sell it for, you know, I can't total it out for anything. So even if this thing got, even if Spamla fell off a cliff and got wadded up, it'd be worth it for me to get a, buy a brand new frame on eBay and a brand new front end, all new everything. If the motor was the only good thing out of it, if hell, if the side cover was the only good thing out of it, it'd be worth it for me to keep it. And, uh, you know, if I had to rebuild it and get a different frame number, just take it to the higher patrol after I rebuilt it because at this point it's worthless the white elephant in the room she's worthless man so she's worth keeping uh and so i was telling him that to me that would be the same thing so here's what i would consider if you think it might total and this is for you this is not for ray ray like i said did a whole different thing he had he doesn't have collisions so his is kind of a different bag of worms as they say a ball of flies um if you want to repair it yourself, don't even bother taking it to a shop unless you want to get rid of it. Probably because they're just going to confirm that it's a total and you'll get a salvage title if you try to keep it in some states. Other states, they're fine. They'll just say, hey, just keep it. This never happened. You know, we got it estimated and it exceeds the value of the bike and you want to keep it, whatever. But in California, usually they you will have to um, run it as a salvage title. Any vehicle with a salvage title is really hard to sell, even if it's been rebuilt from the ground up by the factory with all new parts, you'll probably get uh, a very little money back, but not nearly enough to repair your bike, um, and it will be salvaged. So a lot of times when, when um, I've, cr- I've crashed a car before, had it catch on fire actually, um, and I kept it because it was very, it was just the engine and it was a Volkswagen bug. And if you, anybody knows, those are held in with four bolts. Trash the engine, go to the junkyard for $300, grab a new engine, boom, you're back on the road. Um, so for $300, I got to keep my car and they paid me like, I don't know, 2000 bucks for it, 1200 bucks. Um, I did have to pay $400 in paperwork fees to have the title transferred back to me. And at that point, it was a salvage title. Um, but yes, it was... Uh, I did pay a little bit to keep it. So was it enough to buy a new car? No. Was it enough to buy a new engine and get it back on the road? Yes. So just depending on where you are, at least in California, um, you're not going to get enough money back to buy a new bike. So you're better off just uh, keeping it and not, you know, not not taking it to a shop because what they're going to do if they total it, you know, you can have a discussion with the adjuster that's handling your claim. If they total your bike, um, you're gonna have you're gonna have to like keep it as a salvage title, you know. So you get to keep it. You're not gonna get very much money. They're gonna give you a little bit of a check for the value of it, write you off. Now it's a salvage. See you later. Um, and if you crash it again, guess what? No money. Uh, you can probably. Uh, I told I told Rob if he felt that the frame was bent by the way it rides and doing an alignment check with a couple of strings and measuring tape. I told him how to do the whole thing. Uh, you know, uh, he mentioned on the Misfits that he tried it, did the string alignment, did the thing where he said it still wobbled a little bit. So I told him to loosen everything from the triple, you can leave the triple clamp tight, but you loosen every bolt on the front end from the lower triple down, like even the fenders and reflectors and brake calipers, everything, you just, and the axle, you loosen it all up. You push down on the bike and pump the suspension a few times and it'll line everything back up and then you tighten everything back up. Um, 
without moving the bike and it should get the forks back in alignment. They can get out of whack. You should do this a, a couple times every other year or so on your motorcycles. As a matter of fact, if you feel like they're out of alignment, try it. It's, it works wonders. So I told him to do that, you know, just align it. If he feels like it's out of alignment, you can run strings down the tire to the front tire. I think Spamela is bent at the head tube. I think if you were to measure Spamela, her front wheel rides slightly off center to the right because it's twisted a little bit from when I got hit uh, 10 or 12 years ago, whatever it was. So there's ways to align it and ways to find out. Hers is so minor that I think it's, uh, and she's so light, she doesn't wear tires weird, but I think she is off a little bit. Um, and if you if you have a heavier bike that's gonna be wearing tires or something like that and you think it's off, do the string test, check it out and uh, decide if you wanna keep it. Uh, what else did I tell him? Yeah, let me know what he decides. Uh, it'll be a salvage title. You know, I just wanted to remind him that. So he said thanks. He double-checked the alignment. He's pretty sure he got the rear wheel rear wheel straight. Uh, the front wheel was 30 millimeters or so on the, on the right side. Uh, what else did he say on this one? Yeah. And so let me see, 30 mils on the right side and 24-ish on the left side in two spots. So hopefully he did, he might've did it wrong, but he was able to go on a ride and he said it's tracking to the right. That's probably normal. And, and he's pretty sure the handlebars are bent, but they might be bent, uh, might not be bent. He's pretty sure he, he put the handlebars on, they might be bent. And here's what I'll tell you about handlebars bending. Bars can bend just a little bit and it makes you feel off. Also your risers can bend, which is gonna make your bars crooked also. And your bars could be straight, but your risers could be bent. And um, you know, just check those. When you check your bars, if they're, if you get brand new bars and you put them on and it's still a little crooked, your riser is probably bent where it goes down into your upper triple tree, uh, triple clamp. Um, yeah, it's probably bent forward or backwards there. So check that too. Check your risers. There's a long, the, the bottom clamp of your riser usually has a very long bolt that goes down through it. And if you have, uh, your triple clamp is, uh, has the bottom uh, bracket molded into it, then you, you know, you're fine. Your bars are bent. Um, but yeah, so some bike, different bikes, different uh, things. But if you have risers that bolt to your um, upper triple clamp, Check the riser because the bolt that goes through it or the shaft that is part of the the, uh, the bottom clamp might be bent a little bit. Or the rubber uh, bushing that it goes in it might be bent or worn from your crash. So check that stuff out. So yeah, he says his is off a little bit and it tracks to the right. Roads in the U.S. are crowned so that the rain drains off the side. On the freeways, they do have drainage like sipes and stuff. So you might not see it on the freeway as much. Freeways are flatter and interstates are flatter. But if you're on a regular city road uh, and the drainage ditches are on the side of the road, guess what? The roads are called what they call crowns. So they're higher in the middle. So your bike will track to the right. It, your car will track to the right. And if you roll a bowling ball down the street, it'll go straight for a little bit and then it'll track to the right. That's just the deal with crowned roads. That's how they keep water off the road is they crown it ever so slightly and the water will run off the sides down into the drainage ditch or the gutters uh, next to the sidewalks. So even on city streets, they're crowned. So that's why it could be tracking to the right. No problem there. So anyway, I wrote him again, told him that's it, told him how to do the, um, uh, 
what's it called? Told him how to do the front end alignment, like I said. So he did that. I think eventually he called the Misfits. And when I listened to their uh, show, I think he said he had done the, the front end thing where you loosen all the bolts, mash it down a few times, you know, while you're holding the front brake to get everything back in alignment. It's still a bit wobbly. Yeah, it's an off-road bike. Triumphs are really good. If I was him, I would do the same thing I did with Spamla. I kept Spamla. I, f- I flat track Spamla. I take Spamla off-road. I drop Spamla. I mean, she is only a couple hundred pounds, so it's not like I'm dropping like a 400-pound bike and bending. I could drop her and not bend the bars, you know what I'm saying? Like, she's that light. But I kept her, and the thing is, is she's been so much fun uh, for the last few decades. So my advice to him, I think the Misfits gave him the same advice. As long as your bike's running good, keep it. It might be a little bit wobbly, but you know what? Now you have a Triumph with a story. Um, you're saving up to get another bike anyway, I think he said. So, you you know, go for your other bike and keep this as bike number two. Keep this as the real ADV bike. And I hate when people have pickup trucks that don't have a scratch on them. The bed is just cleaner than my dinner table. I like to see a pickup that's worn and scratched and, you know, or a Jeep that's all clean and pristine or a Land Rover that's clean and pristine like I see in Beverly Hills all the time. No, 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 no. I want to see that stuff. I want to see a Land Rover that's been rolled down a couple dunes. You know what I'm saying? I want to see something that's been uh, just played in if if that's what it's made for. So now you have a proper bike that can be, uh, you know, basically your off-road bike. So I think that's the same advice that the Misfits gave them, and I'm 100% with their advice. I agree with their advice. Now, my friend Sarah, and especially because he doesn't have collision, he's on his own. I don't think they're going to total his bike because there's no claim against it. I think they would just evaluate it and give him an estimate of repair. I think he's good. My friend Sarah, on the other hand, uh, she got whacked and rear-ended. She's okay. Her bike lost the license plate. I'm not sure if it smashed in the rear tire. I'm not sure if it smashed in the rear fender. Um, She's just bummed about it. Sarah's got the worst luck, too. And we need to have her on the show to talk about it. I just didn't want to do it too soon. But it was literally right before Ray (laughs) called with this. Uh, And anyways... He also said something about the Oregon lane splitting, and he said he'll refrain from prof- profanity. Uh, but yeah, he he would use some to uh, mention the vetoing. And yeah, so we that was right around the episode where we were talking about the uh, the Oregon lane splitting bill got vetoed. So anyway, crashing the good parts and the bad parts. The good parts is well, there's no good parts. The really good part about crashing is if you do it right, that you don't get hurt. That's the best part of crashing. Hopefully you are safe. Uh, the worst part about crashing is that, yeah, you lose, uh, you, you potentially use your, lose your bike. Um, you potentially, uh, you know, get hurt. You, the, I don't know, a bone, uh, you potentially lose your only transportation, right? If that's what you're using. The good side is uh, if you got a tough bike, it can, take it you're not going to grind a hole in the um i've seen so many triumphs go down and grind holes in the side covers you know like the clutch side and oil's leaking out hell triumphs leak oil anyway but uh i've seen a lot of bonnevilles and stuff now his is a tiger off-road you know adv adventure bike made for this stuff probably a little better suited to being dropped um and hopefully he wasn't going that fast so looked like he took the uh the bread in the fall great um the good the bad and the ugly is that uh 
you know, it happened, you survived, everything's great. Uh, and you still got you, you still got your bike, and that's all you can ask for. So, so in conclusion, and with that in mind, I wanted to jump to Reddit. I think I'm going to do this every week. I follow a bunch of stuff on Reddit, part of a lot of threads, um, and one of them being the... What channel are you going on, girl? That one. Okay, good. All right, one of them being the uh, motorcycle thread. So here is from our motorcycles, and it's called Surviving My First Crash. Um, Skippy C posted this three hours ago. This past Sunday, I was involved in a motorcycle accident with a passenger. This person T-boned us after running a stop sign at 35 miles an hour, which in turn sent me and my passenger flying. I don't remember much of the incident except coming to in the ambulance. The driver's vehicle had no bumper and fled the scene, and it was all very traumatic. We weren't wearing helmets, I know, such a mistake, because we were just tooling around our neighborhood. We're both okay and able to talk and walk, which I'm extremely grateful for. And besides our bodies being safe, I'm afraid my 1978 CB750 isn't going to make it, and I don't think I'll ever have a passenger on board again. Uh, this comment is only three hours old, but uh, somebody goes, yeah, I was T-boned by, in my car eight years ago, and ever since then, when I come up to an intersection, car or bike, I look to see that all the moving cars, and whether or not, make sure stupid music down, see all the moving cars and whether or not they appear to be slowing down, and if they're not, I ain't going in. Uh, I hadn't been riding my bike for more than a few months when I pulled up to an intersection. I look to my right and I see a car coming and it's not slowing down. The car that was in front of me started to go and before it happened, I could see it was going to happen. So I'm just saying, you can see the stuff coming. You cannot trust anyone to fucking stop at a light. See them do it before you cross their path. Second comment. When I had a motorcycle, I double-checked every intersection as cagers often don't see bikes and or make other mistakes. We all make mistakes, though, even riders. Uh, always ride as if no one can see you and act accordingly. Duh. I'm a passenger now, and I know why my hubby keeps scanning every intersection. His eyes are always ensuring the path is clear. Even with proper attention, there are blind spots that can change everything in seconds. The experience will affect you for some time. Always wear your helmet. For some good motorcycle gear, wear it. Even on hot days. Stay safe, buddy. Yeah. Uh, last one I'm going to read is this one. I watched a car blow a long red light and T-bone the Jeep in front of me less than a month ago. I never saw her till impact, and I barely managed to stop just as I was entering the intersection feet from the impact point. I flipped my hazards on and left my bike and was the first one to the Jeep driver. He took a nice hit, but was on his feet, and I was out of there a few minutes later, but was seconds from being on the gurney with you. It's sobering to have those things happen so close. I'm extra sorry to hear your seconds didn't align, and I hope you're back in the saddle soon and never cross paths with an idiot like that again. There's a lot of, uh, there is a lot of motorcycle crash stuff happening on our motorcycles. Uh, so yeah. I wanted to say, too, I was just watching a uh, Reddit video the other day of a guy who got sideswiped, I think it was here in SoCal, by a car that just then took off. The light was red. He was coming to a stop. And uh, red for a good long time. He had come to a complete stop when the car sideswiped him, took off his mirror, 
hit his leg, actually. He got lucky that that's all it did. And he was in, uh, there was a turn lane to his left with cars in it. And he was in the next lane to go straight, but he was to the far right of that lane. And this idiot in the car splits between him and the stopped cars in the left turn lane. That's how much room uh, was there. Not very much. And I, I was surprised that they didn't hit the mirror on one of the cars turning left. But they probably realized at the last second that the light's red. They probably were looking down, they look up and oh crap, the light's red, and they blow through. And there was already cars going straight from the, from the cross traffic, and so they really had to stop to avoid an accident. The driver got lucky, the rider got lucky that it was just the mirror, but they did his leg, and I'm sure they hit his arm. Uh, my arm sticks about just as far out as my mirrors, and my legs stick further than that, so I'm sure it hurt. But regardless, that's why you wear a helmet, that's why you wear a gear. Um, and all this got me thinking about when I come to a stop by myself, I usually do kind of get toward the middle of a lane because here in California you can share lanes with cars. So even though nobody takes me up off, takes me up on it, I usually do go to the if there's two two lanes of traffic going in the same direction, I usually go on the line at the stoplight because I don't want cars rear ending me directly. I want to be on that line as if I had just split to the front. So, yep. That's what I do. That's what I do. All right, everybody. We are going to take a uh, quick break. Can take a quick break, yeah. So I can queue up this interview we did. And uh, we'll be right back with, the, with another guest on this week's show. Stick around. Charlie Brown. Actually, I'll be right here. Just, just wait a moment and I'll queue it up for you. Hopefully this is working this time. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, everybody, welcome back uh, to Creative Writing. We have another guest on this week's show. Uh, this week we are talking to somebody who is writing in the, what I'd like to call the really wet Amazon jungle. I, <laughs> from what I've seen, the Midwest is got to be raining every single day because it looks pretty wet down there right now. Um, on the line with us, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, my name is uh, Krista, and I'm coming to you from Ohio. Yes, you're coming to us from the beautiful state of Ohio. Um, can you? T- well, I, where are you at? Like, I'm not. I I know of Cleveland. And I know Cincinnati, and that's about it. Um, and uh, I'm sure there's like Springfield, Ohio, or something like that. But where are you coming to us from? Yeah, I'm just outside Columbus right now, um, right into the mountains and right into a little bit of the woods. It's really beautiful, and yes, it is really wet. Okay, cool. Um, So what are you riding? Or actually, the reason I wanted to call you is because right now in uh, Ohio and in in many, uh, a lot of the states there, there's this uh, 17-year cicada thing happening where uh, right now they're they're as thick as, uh, I don't know, they're as thick as the London fog. I don't know. What are they as thick as? They're as thick as cicadas. All right, they're as thick as cicadas, uh, and cicadas are pretty thick. They're one of the fattest uh, bugs around. Um, so yeah, right now you're riding through uh, Ohio. You're going, um, I guess, west to no, no. You're going south to Kentucky. I don't know what is south of Ohio. Um, there's a lot of stuff south of Ohio. I would say 
like half the U.S. is south of Ohio. Okay, fair enough. You could be going to Missouri, Arkansas, Alabama, Kentucky, any of those places. Um, so yeah, you're riding through uh, right now. You're you're heading through. Um, I wanted to call you up because this is such an amazing thing in the U.S. I'm sure it happens in other countries with locusts and things like that, where bugs like black out the sky. But locusts. Um, not locusts, uh, uh, cicadas actually have this, this crazy, crazy song that they sing. Um, and I wonder if you could just walk us through what it's like to ride through a uh, cicada, you know, through this massive super, I think they call them like a, a bloom or something like that of cicadas. Yeah, so for the most part, um, just trying to not get hit in the face at 60 miles an hour by one of these, you know, these gigantic, uh, rather gigantic bugs. Um, they're very, very, very loud. If you've ever heard a cicada before, you know um, they screech, they squeal. It's like, it's almost like 40,000 pigs getting killed around you. It's really, you know, it's disturbing. And you have them get in your hair or, uh, like, like you said, slap you in the face at 60 miles an hour, and it's not fun. Get one, fly into your neck. Um, they, they, they fly around a little bit. They do have wings, and if you uh, happen to go through a swarm of them or something like that or um you know just have a random one fly out of a tree and into your uh jacket or into your helmet or something like that they they have really big fat legs and and fat bodies and yeah it's really 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 discomforting to have uh, a giant bug basically take up a temporary home in in your uh in your helmet or crawling around on your neck yeah i could only imagine that sounds pretty gross pretty gross um what are you riding uh actually like what do you got a do you have a, a bike with the fairing you got a bike uh, like a naked bike what, what are you riding um in columbus yeah i'm on my uh 2006 uh royal canadian and uh it doesn't have a windscreen so i'm constantly getting slapped in the face by these things actually uh right now we're headed toward a large swarm of them and it's it just looks like a rain cloud you know what i mean it's, it's ominous looking Right, and um, you know, a lot of people. I, I make jokes, you know, a lot of time that uh, dress for the slide, not for the for the ride. But when you want you, when you're talking about sliding, you're you're wanting the bugs to slide off your helmet and and uh, <laughs> slide through the bugs, not uh, not eat crap because of a bug. Right, and oh god. <laughs> <laughs> Hello? Hello? God. God, I have the worst luck with people and crashing this week. Too many crashes. Well, everybody, listen up. Uh, we're wrapping up where well, we're getting to the end of the show here. Uh, I wanted to say, uh, off track segment, I wanted to go with one year with the SCR, but eh, we're getting a little bit, we're getting deep in this show. We don't need to make the show, excuse me, longer than it needs to be, especially because I need to hydrate, man. Excuse me. Um, so listen, next week I'll talk about um, one year with the SCR 950. It's actually been two years, but last year doesn't really count. I uh, didn't really write it enough that uh, last year. But uh, Junkies tips and tricks for this week. Junkies tips. Hydrate. Sleep a little better. Um, I, I know right now uh, it's really warm in a lot of places so much so that it looks like people's faces are raining and their bodies are raining because the air around them is so wet and uh, places like 
Europe, our buddies in Europe, our buddies here in the uh, the southern part of the U.S. and the Midwest, hot or humid AF. Um, so just please hydrate, get some good good rest and good sleep. You sleep better when you're cooler, and I don't think a lot of people can do that right now. So get more sleep. Um, also, I did want to do a shout out to Harbor Freight of all things. Uh, Harbor Freight had this cool email that they sent, like their little newsletter about. Uh, getting outdoors and uh, building something with a Harbor Freight product. And Dark Dark Corner Garage, of all people, was uh, featured on there. They had you know, been doing their tags with Harbor Freight builds. I don't know if they have the Harbor Freight Predator engine or whatever it is in their mini bike, but they got a pretty sick-looking mini bike. And, uh, yeah, they were featured on Harbor Freight um, for having that in there. And uh, pretty cool. Um... There's a lot of uh, things I want to say about Harbor Freight. I recently was in there picking up uh, some Dremel stuff a few weeks ago. I put a little dumb post on my stupid Instagram about it. I showed you the picture of the little tools I got for like 30 bucks. I went in there and cleaned house. I got a Dremel kit for like six or seven, maybe 12 bucks. I'm going to say 12 just because I can't remember off the top of my head. And that is one of the best 12 bucks I have ever spent so far with that Dremel kit. It came with so many attachments from polishing to sanding to grinding to cutoff wheels. Cutoff wheels weren't really that good. Um, they're whatever brand this is that makes it the Chinese brand isn't actually as good as the Dremel brand red cutoff discs. These are black and uh, they wore down pretty quickly through some really mild gauge steel that I was cutting. And the Dremel brand uh, red ones seem to last a little longer. So, uh, luckily I had bought, like they had some really tiny, uh, packs, like, I don't know, 610, something like that for, uh, $6.99 or something like that. So not only did I get this big old kit for 12 bucks, I'm going to say it has all this great, like sanding, buffing, polishing, cutting, uh, honing, like the little stones for, for honing stuff and, and, getting metal um, castings you know nice and smooth let me see what else can I see from here cleanup brushes on it steel brushes cutoff wheels uh, I also got a whole, two packages of cutoff wheels I think they have six or ten wheels in there for pretty dang I don't know I want to say like 50 cents a wheel maybe even less than that so <clears throat> make a long story short pretty nice deal right now for smaller power tools at uh, or these little attachments at Harbor Freight. Uh, a review, I have to say, absolutely, if you're going to buy anything at Harbor Freight, their shop towels are an absolute bargain. And one of the more expensive things, Harbor Freight's getting a little more expensive. Their quality is also going up a little bit. It's not so much a one-and-done uh, place anymore, and I'm sure that they still have crappy, you know, really crappy... Uh, crappy stuff you can buy that I wouldn't trust that it is a one and done but I did notice that their quality is going up a little bit better and the variety is going up a little bit better so keep that in mind when you're going to Harbor Freight I just paid 22 or 23 dollars for some Hardy gloves let me open my drawer and see what they have here so I had got the Hardy um, 7 mil nitriles uh, 50 gloves I think they were like uh, 19 bucks not worth it. These things, these seven mil blue, D 
these things have ripped just putting them on. I don't know if I got a bad box. You know, sometimes that happens with no matter what brand gloves you buy. But they're crap. They rip constantly. They break. I'll sweat. and It's like my sweat is made of alien blood, and they'll just disintegrate on my hand. Little tiny poke for some metal, and sh they're done. But I just got a box of um, the 9 mil. Uh, it's either 9 or 10 mil. Uh, black gloves. Hardy is the brand again. Nitrile. Size medium, 50 gloves per box. Uh, $22, so a couple bucks more. And these black gloves, I have used like leather gloves. I have used a pair of gloves. I was doing some casting uh, in, in resin. And I just love, love these. I stuck stuff in, like I stuck pokey stuff on them didn't cut them. I've run it across metal, didn't cut them. I've got chemicals on it, couldn't feel it. It wasn't like all wet and cold and feel like it's burning through the glove. Like the, like the seven mils and some of the, um, uh, I don't know the brand, but it's like Permatex, maybe the really, the really thin, uh, nitrile ones, um, give you a lot of sensation and a lot of feel. If you're working with small parts that you're just trying to keep your oily finger, your body oils off of, that's fine. Or glass or something like that. That's fine. But uh, uh, when you're trying to work with chemicals, sometimes I've got it on those gloves and it literally feels like it's coming through them, right? So these Hardy uh, 9 mil, worth the $22 or 23 bucks I paid for them. I was doing a lot of re uh, fiberglass resin casting a couple weeks ago and I threw the gloves away just because they got so much like resin and fiberglass on them from picking, you know, shredding, shredding sheets and stuff like that of fiberglass. The glove was perfectly fine. I could have kept using it, and I do. I don't, this, these are, they say disposable. There's only 50 gloves, and I tend to keep these until they eventually break, and it took me like a whole, I wanna say six, six months of daily use to go through my whole box of 20 uh, black ones. So then I got these blue ones. I thought, ah, great, and I've already shredded like 10 pairs of them in about two weeks. So or, you know, and that's not every day. That's just every time I come out, I shred one or two pairs of them. So I went back to Harbor Freight, got these black hardy gloves. Um, like I said, they're 22 bucks a box for 50 gloves, but they work and they keep you protected and they don't. These seven mil, I know there's only two mil difference, but these feel substantially thicker than a lot of the other gloves I've used before. Uh, they just suck. Can't say anything good about them. Same brand, 9 mil. boom, feels like you're wearing thin leather. Uh, so Harbor Freight, uh, that's my tool recommendation for them, and uh, that's my tool tip for you this week. Go out and buy something at Harbor Freight. Let me know what you got. Uh, also, call to action. Hey, the weekly challenge. Send in a challenge uh, of strength or prowess that you think would be good to determine the patron winner of Solstice Slim this year. Um, one submission by Junkie, and I can't win the prize. So we need a Patreon winner to win. Should the patrons have to do perform this feat? Should there be a patron dance-off? I want to make it fair for everybody, and I know that uh, Nerissa is probably the best dancer we got. So I don't want to. I don't want her to um, just win it by default. So maybe not dancing. But should we have Junkie perform something? I want to make it fair and balanced for everybody. I don't want to have like you know, make it an event where I'm going to start getting tired at the end so the people at the end of the list don't have as much of a chance as the people when I was fresh. Um, I've done knife throwing before. I did motorcycle races before. I've pulled names out of a hat, which is just so boring, or out of a helmet, rather. I don't want to do that. I want to do something fun. I want to do something physical. 
Um, should we make the patrons do it? Should we make junk do it? Should we just go to the races and bet on a random racer and uh, attach a name to each patron uh, and see who wins? You know that might be fun. There's a there's a, a SoCal track day coming up. If it was a um, if it was a race, that'd be awesome because then we'd we'd have a definite winner. But I think we could stick a patron's name totally randomly and and uh, on each each. Uh, each racer's back and then whoever wins the race that's who would win and we'd unveil it at that point and see who well, this is a pretty random way to do it I don't know maybe I'll think about that with the races coming up this weekend uh, at any rate have a great weekend everybody send send that in if you got some email hey send it to us leave us some reviews uh, in iTunes if you like anything that you heard here today if you didn't well create your own stupid show you dick face uh, check us out on reddit uh Actually, yeah, we're on Reddit as Creative Writing Pod. We don't have really anything going on there yet, but I uh, intend to expand there as soon as possible. I love Reddit. Reddit is like the, uh, I don't know. It's like the it's like the funny part of the internet, you know? It's not just stupid Instagram pics. It's like actually meaningful posts with a lot of funny, funny comments. Uh, go check out Motor, UK Motorcycles, I think, is one of the forums that I follow or one of the subreddits that I follow along with motorcycles, moto camping. Um, there's a lot of motorcycle uh, subreddits out there. So go check those out and uh, talk to you later. Our show contact info is creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com if you want to reach out to us uh, or you can uh, hit us up in the DMs on Facebook. Mail, uh, look us up on Twitter as creative underscore writer. Uh, Facebook and Instagram is creative writing podcast. Tumblr is creative dash writing. Uh, if you want to check us out on Insta- or Reddit, like I said, it is um, creative writing pod. If you want to check us out in our cool village that we have here right at the uh, Moto One Podcast Studios West, feel free to drop me a drop me a note and we can meet up for a ride and I'll take you out to lunch, take you for a quick tour of uh, Hollywood and we'll throw some eggs at uh, Madonna's Mansion. All right. Have a good one, everybody. Peace and grease. Hey, we have a sound effect for that. Yeah. Oh, I deserve that one. Mm-hmm.